Alien. So we've never done this before, so we're trying something new. We thought it would be fun to have a little kids service, and we have a special message for the kids. You know, so we have great, a great kids program here. Ariel Myers, if you could stand up for just a second so everybody can see you. Ariel is our kids ministry director. Yeah, let's give her. And we, she has a whole amazing team of volunteers that make sure our kids learn a great biblical lesson every week. But we wanted to have them come in here and feel a little more comfortable with the worship because one day they'll, they'll be in here too. We have um, those Elevate classes all the way up to 6th grade kids. And then once you're in 7th grade, you have to deal with Sawyer Trap on two, Wednesday nights at Turbulence. That was Sawyer who was eating the chilies and playing on guitar and doing announcements. Grant is sick today. I don't know if it has to do with the chili peppers. Do you think that's what it is? Man, those habaneros are dangerous. Well, kids, I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Do you guys ever had a sermon just for you? Kind of cool, right? I think it's pretty cool. So today we're going to talk about obedience. And I know that's not our most favorite word, but sometimes we have to obey, right? We have to obey our parents. So I want to just ask you guys about the chores that you do. So, yeah, Drake, you want to just grab a seat right there? Thanks, bud. Okay, so I want to hear what's your favorite chore? Does anybody want to say, what's your favorite chore to do? I don't know. that. Yeah, what, does anybody, yeah what's your favorite chore? Vacuuming. Vacuuming. All right, I like this kid. Taking out the trash. Good. Well, that's great. What's your favorite chore? Doing the dishes. That's good. Okay, now, what's your least favorite chore? The one you don't, oh, there's a lot of hands there, isn't there? Drake? Cleaning up the whole house, man, that's tough for anybody. Cleaning your room up, yeah, that's tough. James? When your room is dirty, your mom doesn't help. You have to clean it all yourself. That's your chore, isn't it? <laughs> Loading the dishwasher and one more. Oh, yeah, <laughs> cleaning the cat throw up up. Woo. Yeah, that's a nasty chore, isn't it? Woo. Yeah, some chores are, are, are fun and you actually enjoy them, but some aren't enjoyable, right? But when your parents tell you to do them, you have to do them anyways, don't you? Oh, you're suggesting to do the cat box? Oh, yeah, that's, oof. yeah, that's pretty bad. So in the book of Ephesians, there's this instruction just to kids. There's this letter, and it's just specifically that God is teaching the kids. And I think it's really cool, so we're going to look at those three verses this morning, and they're going to be up here so your parents can see those verses too. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, it says, Children, see, it's talking to kids, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So there's two things that God says that kids are supposed to do there. First one was to obey. What does it mean to obey? Follow directions, listen to your parents. That's good. And then there's a second thing that the Bible says for kids to do. It says to honor your parents. What does it mean to honor someone? Give them attention. Do what they say. Yeah, that's honoring. Anybody else? Have ideas of what it means to honor? It means to show respect to someone. And we're, we're commanded that we have to show respect 
to our parents. So this means we don't see, say mean, nasty things back to them or talk back. And it also means we don't say bad things about them. Sometimes we get with our friends and we're like, man, you should have heard what my mom said, right? But we aren't supposed to do that because it's not honoring to our parents. So I think that's really interesting. But what's really cool is we're told as kids to do that, to obey your parents, to honor your parents. But it's really interesting because it says that there's some promises of blessing that come with obedience. It says that so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. This is part of the Ten Commandments. And Paul, who wrote this letter, is saying, hey, this was in the Ten Commandments. But not only are you commanded to do something to obey your parents, but also if you do it, there's blessing and reward with it. What is blessing? Does anybody have an idea? What's a blessing? Yeah, you bless someone. It means good things for that person. We're wanting good things for them, for blessings, rewards, good things to happen, and not bad things to happen. So I want to teach you guys something. So over here, can you guys see this this circle? Maybe you girls, if you could turn around a little bit. Do you see this orange circle and tape here on the carpet? Do you see that? See, when we obey God, there's this circle. If you can just imagine there's a circle around you. When you obey your parents, you're in this circle of blessing. But whenever you disobey your parents or dishonor your parents, you get out of that circle and you're no longer receiving the blessings that God has for you because your parents want good things for you. That's why they tell you to do stuff. They want to teach you. They want you to learn and grow even with your children, not just to get a job done. They want to teach you good lessons for your life. So when you stay in that circle, there's blessings. When you step out, there's not. Okay, so I need three volunteers, brave volunteers, okay, if if. Do you want to volunteer? Okay, we got one right here, Ava. Um, Ozzy, do you want to? And then these boys have been answering a lot of questions. Anybody else want to be? Yeah, Chloe in the pink. Okay, so who wants to go first? Ozzy? First? Ozzy Smith. Little boy. All right. Okay, so I want you to stand here. So when you're obeying your parents, you're standing in a circle. So I just want you to imagine... Parents telling you, I think we're cutting out. Can we check that? Uh, thank you, guys. So your parents said, hey, you can go outside and bike, but you can't cross the street when you're riding your bike. Have your parents ever said anything like that to you? Never. Okay. When you're playing, do they say you can't go past a certain street or can't go farther than where they can see you? Yeah, they say that, right? So if you stay where they tell you to play and you're having fun and you're having a good time, you get blessing, right? Oh, what is that? Some gummy bears, right? That's pretty good. Who likes gummy bears? Yeah, that's what I thought. I do too. So you get, that's a blessing, right? That, that kind of shows that there's a blessing. But now you're going to say, hey, I kind of want to play over there because my friends play over there. It looks really cool right down the street. And now you kind of step out. What could happen if he plays farther than where his parents tell him to play? He could get in trouble, yeah. What else? No more candy, yes. What else could happen? He could get hurt. Yeah, did I hear someone say that? He could get hurt. He could get someone hurting him, right? <laughs> That's outside the blessing, right? That's not any fun, is it? Good job, bud. You did awesome. Thank, can everybody give Ozzy a round? Do you want to go next? 
<laughs> okay, so you can step in the circle of blessing. So you're in this circle of blessing because you're doing what your parents say. Say there's a really cool dog down the street. And you see it, and you can kind of see it through the fence, and you're really excited. You want to go pet the dog. But your parents say, you know, we don't know the owners of that dog, so we don't know if that dog is safe or not. So let's not pet that dog. So what happens when you don't pet the dog? Well, you're in the circle of obedience, right? You're doing what your parents say. That's, that's a prize, right? That's a reward. That's a blessing that you have. But what if you go over and pet the dog anyways? Would you still be in the circle of blessing? If you go pet the dog when your parents tell you not to? No. So could you step outside the circle? What could happen? What could happen if she pets a dog that they don't know? She could get hurt because the dog could bite her, right? <laughs> okay, thank you so much. You did awesome. Can everybody give a round of applause? Woohoo! Great job. Okay, you're up next. Okay, what, what's another thing that your parents tell you to do? How about your homework? Okay. Do your parents ever say you've got to get your homework done before you can do something fun? What happens if you come home from school and instead of doing your homework, you go and do the thing that you aren't supposed to do? And you tell your parents, oh, I didn't have any homework today. Would you be in the circle of blessing? Where would you be? Oh. <laughs> but what if you come home right away and do the homework like your parents asked you to do? Would you be in the circle of blessing? That's a pretty good place to be, isn't it? Yeah, can we give her a round? That's, yeah. <laughs> we don't do sprinkling here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You guys did awesome, right? Who else wants some gummy bears? Okay, yeah, let's give everybody some blessing because you kids have been awesome this morning. If you've been up here, why don't you go ahead and grab one of these gummy bears? Just one, okay, just one. Yeah, and if you guys could step back once you grab one so that every, every, everything's the same, so they're not any... Don't squirt us this time. <laughs> so what I want to teach you guys is that when you obey your parents, you stay in the circle of blessing. And when you step out of that, you're stepping out of the blessings and the good things that God has for you. So I want to encourage you guys to obey your parents. Make sense? Okay, could you guys bow your heads so we can say a prayer together? Lord God, thank you so much. Here you go, Kai. Thank you so much for the blessings that you give us, how awesome these kids are. And I pray that um, they would learn to obey their parents and honor them so that through that they could experience the blessings that you have for them for their entire lives and, and beyond that. And I pray this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Did everybody get some candy? Bo Bodhi needs some? Oh, you already got some. Okay, see, that one's for you then. Okay, thank you guys. You guys can head back to your seats. We got a, a special video up here too, and then we got a message for the parents.
Who wants? We're gonna have a real squirt gun for you parents. No, we won't. No more squirt guns today. Too bad. I wonder how many gumballs are in there. It's a good question. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are here. So for this series, we've been doing relationship goals for a, a few weeks. We're gonna finish it. This is our last message today. And today we are talking about parenting. If you're here and you're like, Matt, I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. I might not ever have kids. Um, awesome. Uh, you get to pray for everybody else and kind of just sit back and say, man, I don't, I'm glad I don't have that responsibility, right? But you can help parents and pray for them. So there's good things that you can learn from this message, too. And then next week we'll start that Overcome series. So today we're going to look at one verse, and it is talking about parenting. And the reason I picked gummy bears is because I am the best parent ever. No, I've only been a parent for about 20 months now. And uh, a few weeks ago, Melissa and I and our daughter McKinley were out shopping. And we were shopping, and it was my turn for a little while to watch McKinley, and she's running around the stores, touching stuff, because she's just curious, right? She's trying on jewelry. It's fun. And, and then she runs over to Melissa, and Melissa has been pushing around our stroller. And McKinley kind of runs behind the stroller, so I, don't, I lose sight of her for just a second. Man, it's how wonderful how quick things can happen, right, with a kid. I see some nods from parents. And I was talking with Melissa. She was showing me some stuff she was going to try on. And then I go over and grab McKinley, and... There's just this face that kids make when they have something in their mouth. You ever seen this? You know what I'm talking about, parents? And I could just tell she had something in there. And I said, do you have something? And she kind of smiled, and there was this red gummy bear. So I did the, you know, the finger sweep, right, and got that gummy bear out. And I said, oh, Melissa, did you give McKinley some gummy bears? Do we have some in the bottom of the cart that she pulled out? And Melissa's like, no. It was definitely a rock-hard gummy bear, disgusting from the floor of this store. I am the best parent, and that's why I'm going to tell you all about how to do parenting. No, in fact, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of discovering brand new things and things you guys would be like, duh, Matt. I'm like, whoa, what a revelation. So what I'm, not, what I'm going to do today is not share my advice because <laughs> it doesn't go very far. What I'm going to do is talk to you from God's word. What, what does God say to parents? What does he have special teaching for parents to help them? And we're not going to look at everything, but we are going to look at one thing, and that's in Ephesians 6, 4. And, and what's really cool about that is, is that I want us to change our goals. In this whole series, we've been doing that. Let, let's change our goals about what we have for family, about marriage, because we come in with these goals, dreams, hopes, and expectations, and some of them are very good. Some of them are great, but some of them we have to shift and change. Because they're not good, they're not biblical, and they won't actually lead to a healthier, more successful family. So in the first week in our series, we talked about how we need to have a submission competition. 
because it's not about ourselves. We come into marriage thinking, oh, it's going to be about me and my dreams and everything I want to happen. No, no, no. It's about the other people in our family, about our spouse, about our kids. How can we help them succeed in the best of them? So we need to have a submission competition. That should be our goal. How can I serve the other person more? And then the next week we talked about conflict because conflict happened, doesn't it? It happens. So we learned, hey, it's not about winning a fight. A fight is won when anger's done. The point is uh, get past and get over the anger that's happening in a relationship in a conflict because if someone wins a fight and the other person's super mad and they become bitter, you've actually lost the fight. And then last week we looked specifically at marriage and we learned that we need to make marriage a mirror of the gospel because Jesus and his death for us on the cross shows us how we need to love each other as husbands and wives. So if you miss any of those messages, you can catch up online on our media tab on our website, stapletochurch.com. We have all the audio and video. But today we're going to focus specifically on parents, on parents, because what most of us do when we come into parenting is we have a goal, let's be honest, about helping our kid live a better version of our life. You know what I'm talking about? We want them to live a better version of our life. If we uh, wanted to go to that one college, we want to make sure our kids have the opportunity to go to that college. If we played that sport in college or, or any sport, we want our kid to be in that sport too. Or hey, they've got to learn that. It's important competition because we want them to have basically a better version of our life. And we kind of think about our kids' lives in this term, and, and we think about it. I've done it. I mean, my, my daughter's 20 months old, and Melissa and I are having conversations about where she's going to go to college, right? I mean, because we, we kind of plan that. We think where they're going to go and try to shape their life accordingly. And some of those things are very good. We want them to have a good education. We want them to learn sports, maybe some activities, learn music lessons. Those are all very good things. But I want to challenge you guys today to, to put one goal higher than all of those things. I want you guys to have a goal today that is the best and most important goal for you as a parent, and it is this. Don't control your kids. Coach them towards Christ. Too often we try to control their future and choose where they're going to go and and what they're going to do in their career, who they're going to marry, when they're going to get married, how many kids they're going to have, because we want to have grandkids, right, you know, and play with those grandkids. So we want to try to control their life, but instead of doing that, what we need to do is learn to coach them towards Christ, towards Jesus. So that's what we're going to focus on today, and I hope that this becomes your goal for your kids. So we're going to see this in Ephesians 6.4. It's just one verse we're covering today. We're going to have it up here, but if you want to follow along on your Bible, you can do that too. And in Ephesians 6.4, we're told, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it's saying, hey, your goal is to bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Of the Lord. Of the Lord. Who's the Lord? Well, Jesus Christ. And that's the goal of parenting. One verse Paul has in this entire letter for parents saying, hey, aim at this. This is the goal you should go for. Are they going to know Christ? Because some of us think, what are they going to be like on their 18th birthday? Are they going to have some good awards, hold some titles in the clubs that they're a part of? Are they going to have a lot of trophies? Are they going to get into the college of their choice? Some of us aim for the 18-year-old finish line. Some people think a little bit farther and they think the 30-year-old finish line. Okay, I want them to be married. I want them to have a good career, hold down a steady job, have enough income so they can own their own house or get there pretty quickly. That's the 30-year goal. But God is saying, hey, no, 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 we need to think the one billion-year goal. Don't just set them up for success in this life, which you should do, but think of their success for eternity. 
fraternity. What you do as parents in those short 18 precious years that you have with your kids can set up your children for a future with God in heaven or without him. And it's not only going to affect your kids, but your grandkids. Generations to come can be impacted by how you parent now. It's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? Ooh, you feel that weight? Well, that's okay. That's good. But that's why we're commanded to do this. So I heard it a while ago about parenting, and it's just this general principle. And I think it's very helpful before we dive into what the Bible says and, and what some studies I've uh, found on good parenting say, uh, that I have to say this general rule, that 10% of children, no matter how bad the parents are, if they're absent, gone, using drugs, the kids living on the streets, no, 10% of kids, no matter how bad the parents are, the kids will turn out all right. They're going to be successful. They're smart. So some parents of these kids are like, oh, I must have done something right. Well, maybe. Maybe they were just in that 10% that's going to be awesome. But there's another 10%, right, that no matter how great of a parent you are, no matter how many clubs and things that you put your kid in, no matter how much you try and, and you're doing an awesome job with these kids, 10% of them won't be successful in life. Just kind of a general rule. I want to just throw that out there. So some of you are like, man, I failed. Maybe your kids are grown now, and you're like, I think I've done an awful job. Maybe you messed up, and there's always things we mess up on, right? But maybe they're just in that 10% that no matter what you did, you know, you, you did not create that child. So I just want to say that. So what I'm going to be talking about today is not about those 10% on either end. I'm going to be talking about the 80% in the middle. So how can we focus on them? And there are things that we can do. Now, we as Christians, part of our beliefs, if you're not a Christian here, is that no one saves another person. Only God saves them. Right? Only God saves a person. There's nothing we can do. We can help them. We can tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. We can try to point them. We can encourage them in their faith. But it's up to God to save a person. Let's just put that out there right from the beginning. However, there are things we can do to put them in uh, the uh, right experiences, help them learn the right lessons, so that they can be directed to the God who will save them. There are things we can do. And you know why I know that? Because there's been studies on it. There's a great book, if you're interested in this topic, and if you're a parent, I hope that you are, called Revolutionary Parenting. It's produced by George Barna, a great sociologist, done a ton of research on parenting, and he looked at what he calls revolutionary parents. The parents whose kids are successful and they grow up to not only be financially independent, be able to have kids of their own and be successful that way, but these kids hold on to the faith that they were taught as kids. He said, so he looked at all these people, and what he found with these revolutionary parents were there some things that they had in common. In fact, if you did those several things that he found through these studies, that there would be over a 90% chance that your kids would continue on in the faith after they had left the home. So there are things that you can do that impact it. Yeah, there's still that 10%. Maybe you can. But there are things that we can do right now. So I want to challenge you, your parents. Maybe you have teenagers already. You're like, Matt, I made a ton of mistakes. Maybe it's too late. It's not. It's not. You can make an impact now. So let's see what God has to say about this. How do we do that? So let's look at Ephesians 6.4 again. First thing I want you to notice, it says what not to do. It says do not exasperate your children. Do not exasperate. This means like make them angry, frustrate them. In Colossians 3.21, it says something similar. It says fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. It's putting them in a place to not succeed. So that's the first thing. Don't do those things. Because sometimes what we do as parents just aggravates our kids. I see one smile over there. Maybe it's something simple like you're yelling at them, you're angry. You know, there was one study 
done by a Harvard psychologist, and they found that 40% of kids, if they were giving a, a report card for their parents, their parents would have a C to an F on holding their anger back. Okay, kids know. C.S. Lewis once said, he's like, I'm more impressed by the bad behavior of parents to their kids than kids to their parents. I think that's true. Whenever you find a kid that's talking back and saying nasty things, well, where'd they learn it from? Then you hear the parents say the same thing to the kids. Parents, I know this is kind of tough to hear, but we can do things to embitter our children, to exasperate them, to make them angry. Sometimes it's giving them really high expectations, like our dreams for them, that there's no way they could live up to. Or even if they could live up to them, then they're always just going to be trying to please the parent and they'll never have a life of their own. Some, sometimes it's parents that refuse to dole out compliments and encouragements. They're kind of withholding them. Well, don't want to give them too much too early. You know, make them earn it. Okay, that can exasperate your children. There's other ways that we can exasperate our children. Sometimes, oftentimes, it's out of laziness. When we're lazy as parents, that's when we're not consistent. We said, okay... Don't do this, and then, oh, we don't want to get up off the couch to actually discipline them because they did it. Right? Have you been there, parents? Sometimes it's just our laziness to not follow through. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're like, I just sat down. Do I really have to get up and take care of this situation right now? And sometimes it's just our laziness that can exasperate our kids because they don't know what to do then. They think, well, sometimes I get away with it, and sometimes I don't. What's going on? They're frustrated. Sometimes it can be because of karaoke parents. You heard of karaoke parents? I think Tim Elmore was the one who kind of coined that phrase. You know, when, when you pretend to sing someone else's song, karaoke, a lot of parents nowadays like to pretend to be cool like their kids. They dress like them. They hang out with them. They want to be the cool parents. They don't want to set any rules and expectations. They want to be cool and hang out with the parents. But parents, you will exasperate your kids that way because they won't know how to act and live. Parents, we have a responsibility to raise up our kids and coach them it's Christ. So that's another thing. So, so that's why I've said don't control your kids. Because so many of those things that we do exasperate and, and hurt our kids. Jesus said something similar too. Jesus said something similar in, um, we have this verse coming up. Yeah, there we go. Mark ten fourteen. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Some things we do as parents stops our kids from knowing Christ. Some things we do. And one of the biggest things is how we live as parents. In that revolutionary uh, parenting study that George Barna did, he found that the most important things that Christian parents could do so that their kids would be Christians when they grow up was act- actually live like Christians. Even if the parents took the kids to church, prayed with them, taught them the Bible, but if they were sinning and angry and, and not loving their neighbors and, and not really living out their faith, the kids see it firsthand over and over and over again for years. So why would they want to have that fake faith as an adult? They'll just throw the whole thing away. That's the most important thing you can do is how you live your life. What we can do can embitter, exasperate, take our kids away from the way they're supposed to go. That's a challenging word. It's a challenging word. And, and that means that we will mess up, Right? So it means we're going to have to apologize as parents. How many of your parents have apologized to your kids? We probably haven't done it enough. It's important. I remember one kid was telling me, yeah, I never heard my parents apologize one time growing up. Wow. We make mistakes. We can acknowledge that because that's part of being a Christian, that we confess our sins. 
Hey, I've sinned against you. Will you forgive me? That's an important role in what a parent does if they want their kid, or, or else it's just going to exasperate them. But I want you to notice the second thing in our verse in Ephesians 6.4. When it says, do not exasperate, instead, what does it say? The positive thing that we're supposed to do is bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up. See, the goal of being a parent is to let go at some point. Isn't that what bring them up means? Bring them up and at some point let them go and be their kids on their own. They're not your kids anymore, right? In one sense they are. You still give them maybe wisdom and advice and pray for them and maybe don't give them too much advice because they're figuring things out, right? But at some point you have to let them go. You've raised them up. And if you haven't raised them up to be on their own, whether it's 18 or post-college, well, you haven't done what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to raise them up to the point where we let them go. Tim Elmore, he has a great book on parenting. And he's talked about this, that what we do as, as parents is we've gotten so good at protecting our kids, but not at preparing them. We've done a good job protecting, but not a good job preparing. Since about the early 80s, parents have been crazy about protecting their kids. In, in a good thing, we protect them. And, and he traces this back to the 1982 Tylenol scare. Do you remember this? I wasn't even born then, so I don't remember. Sorry, guys. For those of you who were alive back in 1982, there were seven people who were killed by Tylenol. They were laced with poison. And people took this Tylenol, so that's when, like, oh, my gosh, we need safety caps on everything. It was right before Halloween that year, and everybody, like, nobody sent their kids out that year for Halloween because they were so afraid. What kind of candy are people passing out that they're going to murder kids with this poison candy? And that's why now, okay, if it's unwrapped, don't touch it. You can't pass out homemade bread anymore because somebody might kill through their bread, right? And parents then have become so protective of their kids. You know, everything. We have to make sure the house is completely childproof and everything. And that's good, right? We've gotten very good at that as parents. But the thing is, we also have to be good at preparing them for the future. To raise them up so that they can go out. So are we doing that? Tim Elmore suggests that what we should do is think along two routes. Is as they grow older, we need to give them more responsibility. That's why chores are a good thing when you get your kids to do chores even from a young age and then give them more responsibility as they get older. The older a child gets, they should have more and more responsibility so that they can learn what it's like because pretty soon you're going to have to be paying all your bills. Pretty soon you're going to have to figure out how to make it on your own. You won't have any help. So you've got to give them more and more responsibility and they learn how to handle it when it gets harder so that they don't get their first credit card and get in debt for the rest of their life. Okay, give them responsibility as they grow. But here's the second thing you have to give them is increasing freedom and autonomy. This is a hard one. And I have seen today people do the opposite. For little kids, they kind of let them run around and do whatever they want. They give them an iPad that has access to who knows what on the Internet. They can hear YouTube videos and see things that you, know, you didn't even imagine could exist on the Internet. You just give them that with no you know, complete freedom. And then once they get to their teenage years, then that's when you have the restrictions. You can only stay out till this time. You can't do this. You can't go there. And the kids get exasperated and frustrated. It should be the exact opposite. We give them increasing freedom and autonomy as they grow older. Because when they get into their teenage years, they're going to be out there. And if you haven't taught them and, and shown them from a young age, given them more of the responsibility, less freedom when they're younger, then when you give them a little bit more and a little bit more, they make the mistakes, and it's not going to be as big of a deal when they fail and hurt themselves. And they can learn from it. You can talk through it with them, and, hey, what's the wisdom we can glean from that? So that when they're in their teenage years, when they get off at 18 and you can't see what they're doing anymore because they're off at college, they know how to handle tough situations. So that's why I want to encourage you. Think 
what is it going to be like when I let him go? And, and this should especially be true when we talk about faith. When they leave our houses, will they be walking with Jesus? Will they know Jesus well enough? Will they know how to read their Bibles? Will they know basic theological questions so that when their professor tells them something that they've, that, that's just off the wall, that's totally untrue about Christianity, they know, hey, that's not the truth. I know what the truth is. Have you trained them like that, to be ready for those encounters? Have you trained them so that they could share their faith with someone? We need to think about those things as parents. We need to think about those things as parents. And that's why we come to that last section of Ephesians 6.4, where it says, train them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That word training means more education. Have they learned things? Do they have a knowledge of the Bible and Scripture and basic theology? They have an understanding of things, but also instruction. That word could be translated as counsel or wisdom. It's the same word used elsewhere for counseling. So do they know how to handle specific situations? Have you talked through things? Does your daughter know that, hey, you need to avoid certain situations or parties with alcohol when they're in high school, so that they don't get in those tough situations and nothing bad happens? Do our boys know that no matter what the situation, we need to show respect to women and love and care and protect them? Those are the kind of things, the wisdom for just different life situations. Have we taught them that, especially as it revolves around the instruction of the Bible? Maybe reading the Proverbs with your kids would be a great thing to do. Do you know there's 31 Proverbs and there's 31 days in most months? You could probably read one proverb a night with your kids at the dinner table, and they're going to get wiser. Just try it for a month. You're going to help them with that instruction, with that instruction of the Lord. So are you doing those things? Um, Paul Tripp has a new book on parenting, and, and Grant uh, writer actually sent me this quote. He said it's a great book. He says, successful parenting, Paul Tripp does, is not about achieving goals. That's what we do, right? My goal is how can I control them so they get to be better life than I had. That you have no power to produce, but about being a usable and faithful tool in the hands of the one who alone is able to produce good things in your children. See, the more and more you coach them towards Jesus, God will create in them the character that they need. He will have an opportunity to save them. But we've got to continue to coach our kids towards Christ. He's the good teacher. He's the great leader. And you know what? Jesus shows us how great a father should be. Did you know when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son and this prodigal son basically told his dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your, the inheritance now. Takes it, wastes all the money, spends it all. It just is a terrible kid. He's out on his own eating the same food that the pigs eat. And he says, okay, I'm going to go back to the father, and I'm just going to say, I'm so sorry. Will you let me come back and work for you as a slave so that I can live in your house and not be destitute and in poverty anymore? Do you know what happens when that boy starts going home? He doesn't even have a chance to apologize. He doesn't have a chance to offer himself as a slave to his father because the father runs out to him and hugs him and welcomes him home. Jesus told us that story because Jesus himself shows us the love of a true father. And if the true father loves us and challenges us and directs us to himself, that's the father that we need to direct our kids to towards through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Did you notice at the beginning of this verse in Ephesians 6, 4, it said fathers? 
Now, you could translate that as parents. It's a little difficult in the Greek because they just had one term for fathers. Could it be fathers and mothers? Could it be parents? And that's, that's possible. But I think, as well as the translators of the NIV, that it kind of emphasizes fathers here. And I think the reason is, is because most moms really do care about the spiritual well-being of their kids. And fathers sometimes think it's the mom's job to do that. But it's not just the mom's job. I think moms kind of naturally gravitate towards that. But it's the father's primary job. This is a message for me, and it's for the fathers in this room. I know the wives are going to be listening, the mothers are going to be listening to this and soaking it all in and and feeling challenged. But fathers, I really want you to listen to this, because too often we rely on our wives to handle stuff. And that's not okay. You know, there's a lot of studies about fathers. So this isn't even about faith. Andrea Doucette just a sociologist, secular, not a, a believer, she has found that, or as far as I know, she has found that fathers actually do something different in parenting than mothers do. Studied thousands of couples. And fathers are more likely, more likely to play and have fun with kids, even at a very young age. And studies are showing that that's a very good way that kids learn, is being tickled and thrown up in the air, right? Fathers are more likely to teach their kids that way. Fathers are more likely to get their kids outdoors. Fathers are more likely to help fix a problem with the kids. That's why with really little kids, they want to go to the mom because the mom will soothe them and they're hurt. But later on, they need the dad to teach them how to get out of the problem that they had. And fathers are more likely to do that. Fathers are more likely to let their kids take risks than their mothers. And that's a good thing to learn, to learn to take risks and fail. And fathers are much better at helping kids develop independence. Because of that. And here's what it talks about when it comes to faith. This was a study done a number of years ago. But they found that in households, when just a father went to church and took his kids with him, just a father, the mother didn't go, that two-thirds of those kids would grow up and continue to attend church and keep the faith. But if it was just the mother, it was just the opposite. Just under 40% of kids would actually continue on in the faith. And what's amazing about this study, if just the mother went and the father didn't, only 2% of those kids would go to church regularly. 2%. If both mom and dad, that's where it gets much better, they found 75% or more. Here's another thing. If just a mom becomes a Christian, just a mom becomes a Christian, 17% of the time, her entire family will become Christian. But if just a father becomes a Christian, 93% of the time, the entire family will become Christian. I say this because fathers are very important for faith. Fathers are very important, and this is a challenging word. And I know for some of you who are single moms or you have a husband that doesn't come to church, we, we as a church want to come especially alongside you and help you because it's such a challenging position you're in. We love you. And we want to encourage you and help you. And what I would encourage you as a word is, is get plugged in in a couple's community group. Really. You know, you don't want to. Everybody else has, you know, a spouse in there. Just get in a couple's group because then there can be some other dads around your kids, Christian dads. So I would encourage that. And here's the other thing. One great promise or, or, or that we see, not maybe a promise, but a great thing that we see in the Bible is Timothy. Timothy, there's two letters of the New Testament written to him. He was a great pastor at a time that Paul trained and taught. We're not told anything about his dad. Probably his dad was not a believer. 
but both his mom and his grandmother were believers, and he became one of the main leaders in the early church. So God can and does work through parents that are faithful, even if you don't have a father to come into the family. But if you are a father here, this is a challenging word to you. Will you step up and will you take the primary responsibility to coach your kids towards Christ? And I want to say one last thing about this. Bring them to church. Get them here. Get them in Elevate Kids. Get them in Turbulence. But we cannot, we cannot coach your kids toward Christ. Only you as parents can do that. Do you know how many gumballs are in here? Let's see who, who gets the closest. Ashley V. Valentis. Could you raise your hand, Ashley? All right, Ashley, you are the winner. I have a prize for you here in my pocket. You want to come up and grab it? Well, I'll tell you in just a second. So she guessed 2,847. All right, Ashley, one of our kids over at uh, students over at uh, Johnson Wales. It's a Frisbee and a gift card. So there you go. <laughs> 2,847. Actually, there are 4,000 gumballs in here. Yeah, you better not eat any of these. I mean, guess how many are in here? Ten. There's a little more than that. Forty. Did you know in an average year, if you bring your kids to church pretty much every week, our church will have 40 hours to teach your kids. But you will have 4,000 hours. We're going to do our best. We're going to come alongside you. Ariel's awesome. Sawyer's awesome. We have great volunteers who give up their time Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings to help train your kids. Actually, it's 3,000. I'm sorry, guys. I told you wrong. There's 3,000. There's 3,000 hours you have. But do you see the difference in the hours that you have? This is why God said that specific instruction. He said, parents, he said, fathers, it's your job to coach your kids. The church can help a little bit. Parents, you've got to take the primary responsibility. This should be your goal. Can I coach them towards Christ? So what we're going to do here, we did this last week. We're going to do it again, this time with parents. We're going to have a special prayer time for families. So I'm going to close this out with a prayer, and then we're going to have a special prayer time. I put five things up here on the screen. And and parents, I want you to lead your family in prayer. We've got the family in here for this service, right? So fathers, you guys can take the lead, but you can pass back and forth what you pray for. You can even involve your kids in this prayer. Thank you, Ariel. I almost forgot the best part of today. I'm glad that she she came up here. Okay, so Ariel was telling me, she said, you know, Matt, a lot of times I get parents who come to me and say, hey, my kid asked this crazy theological question. I have no idea how to answer it. Your kid's ever done that? Yeah. And Ariel says, well, hey, you know, she tries to help them individually. And I said, you know, what if... What if we put together a little booklet that had the top ten questions that kids ask about God and about faith, and we gave it to parents so you guys could answer the questions instead of always having to go to Ariel? So we have these. If you're a parent, I want you to raise your hand. Sawyer and Ariel are in the back, um, and they're going to be passing these out. Parents, you can grab one of these. Um, Even if you're like, well, Matt, I'm a grandparent, take one. Okay, if you have any interaction with kids this and read it because these are answers that you can read to help teach your kids. It's not give it to your kid. Oh, you figure it out. 
Now, parents, you learn these things, and for each of the questions, Ariel put together two different answers that are very helpful and, and put it in very um, basic language for kids. And also, there's some verses there that you can then look up with your kids from the Bible. So this is really helpful um, thing, and I'm really glad that you remembered this, Ariel. This is the illustration um, with the gumballs. Hey, you know, it's you guys can do it. You have so much more impact, 3,000 hours compared to 40. So does every parent have one of those that wants one? Good. We want to help you guys. And there's going to be an 11th, 12th, 15th question that you guys have. You can come to us with answers. I think on the very back, Ariel says, that gives another resource you can use. And then she says, you can also check the Bible written by God. You know, it's a good one too. Um, but we want to help equip you because some of us, some of you parents are like, Matt, I wasn't raised in faith. I didn't get, get taught it when I was growing up. How can I help my kid? But let's just take the next step. Just pray with your kids. Try to talk about it. That was another thing in revolutionary parenting that said the parents, the more they talk about faith in just random everyday life events, it's going to help their kids then stick with faith when they've left the home, when you've raised them up. So we've got to talk about these things. Parents, don't be afraid of these questions. If you don't know the answer, seek it out. Okay, so I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going to have that prayer time for parents. Um, Lord God, this message has challenged me because um, I'm a brand new young parent, and I just pray that you would help me to be a good father to McKinley and any other kids that you bless us with, God. And for those parents in here, I pray that you bless them, really help them have a focus now, a new goal, to coach our kids towards Christ, to lead them, to love them, to teach them, to direct them towards you. And for the parents in here who feel like they're not good enough or they messed up or they don't know if they can do it, I pray that you give them courage and strength because you have tons of grace for us. And you are the good, good father who loves us. And is the good father even if we fail again and again. Would we just be better parents here that would equip our kids to coach them to know you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's put up these five things for prayer. The band's going to kind of play underneath it. And if you're with your family, I want you guys to just kind of circle up, get together with your family. If you don't have